0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Without the ones like you, who work
1: tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones
0: who get it done. Do it for the team.
1: The free COVID vaccine is FDA-authorized for kids five and up. Do it for your besties
0: and the resties.
1: It's safe for your child and can help protect their friends.
0: Do it for birthdays.
1: And help protect your family
0: and game night when you give your
1: child the vax, you give them the power to learn do it for field trips and camp out. to experience and big hugs and to be a kid get your child vaccinated and give them the power paid for with pennsylvania taxpayer dollars now that the nfl season has come to an end your favorite sports podcasts are bringing you all the nba coverage you want check out the big podcast with shaq the Dan Patrick Show, and The Lakers Podcast for daily NBA updates and the analysis you need before every game. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, PodcastOne.com, Apple Podcasts, and many of your favorite podcast listening apps. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Danny Lurie, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode I wanted to have on Matt Moore to do one of our tiers podcast felt like a perfect time considering the gap in games. We had a lot of time to think about it. Also post trade deadline and had a lot of fun conversations with it. Went through, of course, all 30 teams who we think are title contenders, how we sort out the middle of the league, the drags, everything else. Really great conversation brought to you by manscaped. You can go to manscaped.com and use the code dream D R E A M for 20% off and free shipping. And bet online. Go to betonline.ag and use the podcast one promo code for a 50% sign up bonus. Episode runs about an hour 10. Lots of good stuff in here. A couple of differences of opinion that I thought were really instructive and absolutely love the conversation as always with Matt. Hope you enjoy
0: it as well. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I love doing this pod with you, man.
1: Yeah, and this is a good time to do it with us just coming back from the All Star break. Only had one day games as we're recording this on Friday morning. And I, you know, I I start we start at the top every time and I'm growing concerned with myself that my top tier has been so stagnant and I don't know if that's just me being sticky with my own preseason stuff or if it's just that those that those ideas were right.
0: Yeah, uh, I think what's interesting for me is I've boomeranged. So I started off the year with everybody kind of clumped together, and it was very close, all at the top, and very competitive. And then the last time we talked, I was like, well, all right, there's three teams at the top, and then there's like a bunch of like whatever, and good teams, but probably not. And now I'm back to – I only have two teams in my top tier now. I've cut cut out one. And the second tier, I believe, is really close to the first. I am back to believing that a lot of the playoffs are going to come down – to matchups and outlier performances. Um, and so I'm, I am, I'm, I'm getting increased confidence that we're going to see a really great playoff season.
1: Yeah, I, I'm excited about that as well. But I, I think the place to start here is with what team got pulled out?
0: Uh, I have pulled out from my top tier the Los Angeles Clippers. They are no longer in my top tier. I think everyone is giving them too much credit. I think everyone's giving them too much faith. I think everyone is making too many excuses uh, based off of their injuries, which are very real. Like, they have been without their key guys. I'm not denying that whatsoever. Like, that's a real thing that's happened. Um, But I also believe very much that Uh, their defense has specific vulnerabilities against some of the top teams in the league. The numbers don't back this up, but I've seen it in enough instances to be able to say that. I think they match up really well with the Lakers. I think they have trouble with a lot of the other teams, and we've seen that reflected in both regular season record and some of the performances matchup-wise. I think also a lot of it is, um, okay, you've been injured, but your chemistry also hasn't been great. And this is one of the things is, when you are having a year where everything's special and everything's clicking and everybody's playing together and everything's going great... You find ways to make up for those instances. Like, you find ways to compensate for those problems. And the Clippers haven't, and I think that that is worth considering uh, in evaluating them. So while they are still definitely top, like, they're top two tier, they are going to be, like, they're going to stay in that top two tier. They can win the title, but I've bumped them from tier one to tier two.
1: Yeah, I get that. Um I haven't moved them down yet. I think that the clippers, you know, part of it for me is this the idea of conceptual versus actual and You know, this it was a part of for me why I was a believer at moments in the year with the Raptors and and you know that their defense could work and that offensively they could get to their spots and the Clippers are a different team but parts of the theory and it's not just Kawhi it's also having defensive talent that doesn't always show it every game which I guess that is different than Toronto Um, and something else that that is concerning to me but I'm not all the way there is the Lakers this is something that Nate brought up and I've been thinking about a little bit is that the Lakers crunch time offense not only in terms of success but also in terms of just process has been a little bit wonky and when you think about so like they're pl- they're positive in net rating in crunch time they're 15 and 8 and they have a plus five net rating but that's because their defense has been phenomenal and their de- their defense being as great as it's been is an important part of the Lakers story but I, I do worry that against the best of the best maybe this bogs down a little too much and then that relates to the idea that other than LeBron, this team just doesn't really have many other guys that can handle the ball.
0: Yeah, I get that. I think for me, it's more matter. And maybe this is archaic. Uh, this may this may very well be archaic. But I, I also kind of believe, like, if I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, all right, it's a game. It's a game six. It's a closeout game. They're on the road. Uh, they're trying to knock off a team and, and advance to the next round, either the semi to the conference finals or the finals. It's a five point game. Uh, it's a, a two point game in the final minute. Where are they going to get offense from? And for me, in those situations, almost all teams simplify what they do. They don't complicate it. They don't they don't do like super dynamic stuff. They make everything as simple as possible to ensure high execution. Uh, I asked coaches, like, why don't you run more plays in this type of situation versus just ISOing? I asked a couple of years ago and they were just like, like literally two coaches were like, I don't really know. I don't know why we do that. Well, it's not not really my call. Like they're like the players are just like no, it's it's going in this dude's hands and he'll he'll make a play. Um, I do think that if I imagine that scenario, like what are outcomes I can see happening? And it's like LeBron does something, very possible. Uh, I don't have as much faith in Anthony Davis. I am not as high on Anthony Davis this year as everybody else is. I am I am a little few ticks lower on him on both offense and defense. But can I see like LeBron drawing a double team and then kicking out and AD hitting like a short jumper to go up by 4? Absolutely. Like that's a situation I can see. And then, all right, they defend the action between LeBron and AD perfectly and they've got everything shut off. I trust Andy Green. I trust Andy Green to hit that shot. I trust Contavius Caldwell Pope to hit that shot 37% of the time, which is not a bad rate. Um I trust I don't trust Avery Bradley to hit that shot. Um I don't trust Kyle Kuzma to hit that shot. I don't trust most of their guys to hit that shot, but I do trust LeBron and Danny Green and to a lesser degree AD. And in those key situations with the defense, um I don't find that I have as much of a concern. Uh, on the Clippers, I, I wanted to talk to you about this because you're. this is like the one pod I think I have room to kind of discuss this. Um, I want to kind of go back and ask you a little bit about Kawhi's playoff history because there's a mythos about him, two titles, two finals MVPs, that doesn't necessarily match up with the reality. So 2014, he wins finals MVP, but he wasn't the best player on that team. They played the beautiful style, the beautiful game of basketball. Uh, Tony Parker was probably the best catalyst of that team and probably the best overall player. Kawhi got MVP in that series for defending LeBron. That's why he won finals MVP that season. In 2015, they lost in the first round to the Clippers in one of the best first round series we've ever seen. But Chris Paul went into his house. Uh, and the Clippers advanced. Like, the Clippers straight up beat them. When that was the first season that Kawhi was the best player. Okay, he's still young. Um, 2016, he was the best player on that team, Tim Duncan's final season, and the Thunder beat them. He goes out in the second round. All right, so now it's 2017, and that's the year where you start to be like, all right, he's hit the peak of his powers. That was his MVP season. Um, they're up 20 in game one when he gets hurt. But if but people forget that he got hurt at the end of the Rockets series, so the rock, the Spurs closed out Houston without Kawhi on the floor in part because Jonathan Simmons went nuts, and they had no counter for Simmons because they built everything to stop Kawhi. Uh, and I'm not saying they would have lost, but it does change things a little bit. 2018, he's out for the entire season, and then 2019, what happens last year happened with a very good team that we see is 40, 40 and 15 at the All-Star break that has all of this defensive personnel that got huge contributions in the playoffs last year from Kyle Lowry uh, and Marcus Saul, quite honestly, and Fred Van Vliet. Um, and Kawhi was awesome and did incredible, was was an incredible player and was the best player on the floor. I am not quite at the level of just being like, well, Kawhi is going to take care of it. Like I am not looking back at his entire playoff career and being like, I absolutely 100% can trust this guy.
1: It is a worthwhile conversation to have. And for, for me, there are two big things that I that I would lean on. One, I think that your your concerns about his earlier playoff career are well founded and something that should be discussed more. We get into this, I talked about this a few weeks ago with Ben Golliver, of the making things seem more inevitable and tying with the narrative retroactively. And yeah. I think that's happened a lot with Kawhi. However, the to me the the larger structural thing is that Kawhi is a way better player now than he was then and especially offensively he's diversified his skill set and he's so physically strong now that he can get to his places and that allows him to be a more reliable player and this is something I fixated on with Kyrie Irving and to a lesser extent LeBron is his own thing so like I don't think about that with LeBron because he's good at everything but the idea that you can get yours against anybody, and I think there's an intense value to that as long as you can do so at a reliably high level. You know, if it's at a low level, then whatever. But I think that for Kawhi, that is a that is a a pretty significant element because if he can get his against anybody or close to anybody, then that pro- pro- creates a level of reliability for the Clippers' offense that might not be there otherwise. And then defensively. I think that he will be hit or miss more. I think that Kawhi's defense in the regular season has probably been overrated over the last few years because this happens a lot with guys. When their highs are high, you forget that the expected value is dropped. And for him, some of that's load management. Some of that is just he's taking on more of an offensive load than he did earlier in his career and everything else like that. But... He was great against Giannis in the playoffs last year, and I think that he's well-suited for the best of the best this year individually. And I agree with you that the Clippers have some collective concerns there, especially protecting, protecting the paint without sacrificing something offensively. Like, they can do one or the other, but I'm not sure they can do both. And that's a a, a challenge for them that is, is a very real concern. Uh, the For me, the interesting thing with the Lakers is – I think they're going to run roughshod through basically everybody but the top teams. I, I don't really have much fear there. They're really good. Those the You know, even there are teams like the Nuggets that are very good teams, and the Nuggets played the Lakers incredibly well recently. It was a game that Nate and I did for the NBA cast. But when we get into a playoff circumstance, I, I wonder about the, – so the best of the best just happen to be the teams that have a lot of good rim protectors and a lot of good forwards. And so – if it comes down to defending the LeBron AD pick-and-roll one-on-one and not sending as much help, trying to make LeBron a scorer, and him doing that, I, I think that he can against almost everybody, but maybe not everybody, and that'll be, that'll be interesting. Uh, the one team we haven't talked about yet in this is the Bucks, and they're just in this category. I don't think there's much discussion other than that they're an unbelievable regular season team that has a very good chance of winning the championship.
0: Yeah, like um, I've, asked, I've been asked a question three times this week on various radio spots. And podcasts like okay, if you have to put your money on somebody to win the title, who are you putting it on and i'm like i can 't say anybody but the bucks, like I understand the problems and it makes me nervous after what happened last year um, they're They are specifically vulnerable in the same way that Houston was in two thousand and eighteen, and you can say like the only reason Houston lost was Chris Paul and that's fair, but in game seven they still had a, they were up at half at home in game seven, and they lost, and the reason they lost is. Milwaukee is driven by an Omega forward and he kicks to shooters and they knock them down when you have to commit. But in a playoff circumstance, those shots get real tight. They gets the coverage is tighter. The closeouts are harder. Um, the tension is there and that is prone to cold streaks team wide, not just like one guy. It's like an infectious thing. You remember Oh of 28 for the Rockets. That's what doomed them in that game. Um, On the other hand, Milwaukee gives up a high number of three-pointers. Now, we're seeing this season, this trend consistently, where the top teams defensively are teams that give up a lot of three-pointers. The Raptors are in this category as well. Uh, There's been some great discussion. um, uh, Blake Murphy at The Athletic did an awesome breakdown of how the Raptors selectively choose who they're going to allow to shoot, and the Bucs do a similar thing to this. The problem is that we saw in the playoffs last year um again, Fred Van Vliet gets hot and then that's all she wrote. Uh because if you have one guy that breaks that scheme, now the entire thing is crumbling. And very similarly, um the concern I think for the Bucs is if we look at the Eastern Conference, look at the top teams that they're gonna have to go through. Um the Sixers are their own kind of thing. I actually have a lot of faith in the Bucs to beat the Sixers. Um but Miami, Toronto, and Boston. Boston is primarily a wing driven jump shooting team. That's what they do. They shoot a lot of threes. They take shots off the dribble. That's what they do. Um, The Raptors obviously know how to do it. They did it last year. Even if they do not have Kawhi, they have Pascal Siakam who who can pass for Kawhi to make it competitive. Um, And they have guys, and not only those guys, but like Terrence Davis, and they have other guys that can step up and make shots. Like, they have guys that are ready to hit big shots in key situations. The Heat, again, lots of shooters. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. All of these guys fit into the mold of guys that can potentially, not will, but potentially wreck everything that the Bucs have done to make themselves so dominant. Um, Now, beyond that, I do believe, like, much like we talked about Kawhi being better, like, Giannis is better than he was last year. Like, he's better. And, uh, the three pointer is fading. It got up to like 33%. It's now down to 31%, hovering at 30. Uh, it'll probably drop some more, but. Is there a game where I think that he probably hits four threes? Yeah. Can that swing a series? Absolutely, if the timing's right. Um, he's better at the rim. They're better defensively. Chris Middleton's doing a lot more on ball. They're running a lot more complicated actions to get other guys involved. Like, the Bucks have this incredible, uh, incredible team. That's why they're going to win 70 games. They're still vulnerable. They have to be considered the favorite. The biggest thing I think is that I think if they don't get caught by an outlier in the Eastern Conference playoffs— I think they steamroll in the finals. I don't think L.A., either L.A. team, Houston, or Denver, any of those teams can stop Milwaukee if they get to the finals. If Milwaukee gets to the finals, they're winning the NBA championship. That I firmly believe.
1: I'm a little bit less effusive on the last point just because I worry a little bit about the Bucks' offense. Their defense will be fine. Like I think their defense will do well against those teams, especially with, as you said, the structure of the offense's and but your point about Milwaukee's vulnerability I think is is a really important one worth emphasizing at this point in the year which is that they have a specific vulnerability that they're willing to tolerate the problem is when you select for the best teams i've talked about this before in terms of like the celtics have come up in this at other points in like in previous years which is the best teams generally have the players to bust up those kinds of systems. And I think Milwaukee uh, will benefit more this season from the structure of the elite teams than anybody else. There isn't a Warriors this year. And yes, Milwaukee didn't face the Warriors last year, but I think it would have been a big problem had Golden State been healthy and the Bucks made it through because the shots that Milwaukee concedes are shots that the Warriors can hit. But this year, very different very different teams out there. And I'm getting more confident. I agree with you that the outliers are a distinct possibility. And also, like you brought up the Giannis thing. One of my big concerns is you brought up the variance in terms of shooting for opponents. Sure, absolutely. But also think about if one of those opponent hot shooting nights is on the same night as one of the ones when Giannis tries five three pointers because he wants to prove to the other team that he can shoot him and he misses all five, then you start to get into those fruitless possessions and it becomes enough of a two way thing that even if the bucks are the quote unquote better team in that game, they can still lose
0: right yeah, I think that 's the thing is and that 's frustrating like that 's one of the things is I really like i did, I will say this um, like i 'm impartial, like whoever wins is great that 's awesome. Like, I think everybody has, like, slight preferences. Like, I want the Bucs to win the title. I think it would be great if the— Like, it would be great on so many levels if the Bucs won the title. It would be such a proof of concept. It would be so great for Giannis. It would be great for the league to have the the Milwaukee Bucks win a title in a year where the Lakers— where L.A. has all this attention on them. I think it'd be really good to show the rest of the league, you too can win a title. I think that'd be really good. It'd be a great story. It improves the odds of Giannis resigning. Like, I just think it's it's incredible— but yeah, like, I, I, what you say about like the better team but not winning, like, I, I'm very concerned about that kind of concept.
1: Plenty of other teams to talk about with Matt Moore, but first message from Manscaped. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. They are forever changing the game with the Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit, the perfect tools for your family jewels, and that includes the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. It is waterproof and cordless, and most importantly to me, and I think most people, it has advanced skin-safe technology with a cutting-edge ceramic blade that prevents manscaping accidents. Even just thinking about that phrase gives me some real concern. So you can check that out at manscaped.com, and you get 20% off and free shipping with the code DREAM, D-R-E-A-M, again at manscaped.com. And it isn't just the Lawn Mower 3.0. You can also check out Crop Preserver, which is a ball deodorant and moisturizer. And when you purchase the Perfect packages 3.0, you also get, as a subscriber... New replacement blade refills for your lawnmower trimmer, delivered to your door every three months, and you get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which I actually just used on my trip during All-Star, and some Boxer Brief, which are high-performance anti-chafing. So what you do, go to manscaped.com and use the code DREAM, D-R-E-A-M, and that gives you 20% off and free shipping and tells them that you came from us so again, 20% off with free shipping. Use the code D R E A M at manscaped.com. Your partner, your body, and your balls will thank you.
0: Um, all right. So you have Lakers, Bucks, Clippers top tier. I do. Who's in your, who's in your second tier?
1: One team. And that, Whoa. One, and that one team, because I, I'm thinking of them for right now as the wild card, and that's the Houston Rockets. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure them out. I don't think that the Rockets are a better regular season team than, let's say, the Raptors, the Celtics, numerous other teams. But I'm intrigued by the theory of, of this offensively, defensively. I don't think it works against everybody, but... I, I just where I've moved with everybody else, and, and the biggest change that actually I would say happened here for me is that I'm, I'm moving off the Sixers. And the reason why is I don't trust their offense all the way. And they've been great defensively when they've had their five best players available, though they weren't super inspiring in the Brooklyn win on Thursday night. But it I think that for me, they just – they have – They have a great, they're a greater universe of outcomes where they're at least making noise into the conference finals and the finals than any of the other teams. And so while I think the Raps and Celtics in particular are superior game by game, it's harder for me to buy the theory that they're going to run through two of the best teams in the league. And presumably anybody outside of the top three is going to have to do that.
0: So my thing on the Rockets is basically, I think the Rockets match up better with the Lakers than they did before the trade, but I think okay. the Lakers can can still win based on talent. Sure, like I think this this I think this pulls Rockets into a into like it's a coin flip with maybe a couple of percentage points edge because of LeBron, right? Um, I think versus the Clippers, it's very similar. I think the Rockets are very close to the Clippers. Uh, I think that that one is more much more of a fifty fifty. Uh, the problem I have is I think that this – significant like I know for a fact. <laughs> Um Houston's thinking on this was, OK, sure, it may make the other matchups a little closer, but we're still going to beat them because we're better and we have Westbrook and we have Harden. I'm not there on that second point. So my concern is I don't know if the Rockets get there. Um, there's a reason Denver got into this trade and it wasn't for their first round pick. Denver was giddy to get Clint Capella out of the Western Conference. Um, the way things currently stand with with where the standings are when we record this podcast, uh, it's four versus five, Houston versus Utah, and the winner goes up against L.A. That opens the door that if the Rockets' gambit is right, they should be able to get past the Jazz because Rudy Gobert can't score enough in the post on his own. Um, and that gives them a chance to get to the Western conference finals by beating the Lakers. The problem is like, I could see either the Clippers or the Nuggets, then beating them in, in the conference finals. I do not think that we, we can dismiss the idea of the Nuggets beating the Rockets. If the Nuggets slip to the four or five, I, I genuinely, after they traded Capella, I am going to have the Nuggets favored in a series versus Houston. They are the one team, the one team that if, when Houston runs that switch, will post up Jokic He is the one player that will absolutely beat that mismatch to death. And Houston will will go in there with, like, James Harden's a great post defender. That's fine. Jokic does not pick up offensive fouls in those situations. He gets enough respect from the officials, and he will just beat them to death with the post. Like he well, will the, bend the example, there
1: was backwards. that game like two years ago when Yusuf Nurkic, the the Blazers were basically posting up Nurkic on whoever they put on him who wasn't a big, and Nurkic just annihilated the Rockets. Yes. And Jokic is so much better than Nurkic at that exact thing.
0: Yes. Now they're gonna they're gonna tell you like, well, we're gonna intercept the the pass because we're gonna do all these things with our linebacker forwards. I, I am the Nuggets understand their offense and have played together so well. Now, look, maybe that'll work because the the Rockets are going to say we're going to make non shooters shoot like beat us, and they're not going to be able to. One of the things with that is that like the wings, one, Will Barton is shooting a lot better this season. Two, Michael Porter Jr. is a thing now, and that fundamentally changes a lot of like what their offensive capacity is. And three, their wings will just drive and kick and drive and kick and drive and kick and drive and kick and drive and kick. And drive and kick until finally somebody has to take a shot if it's not open Jokic is probably going to have offensive rebounding position like i don't believe in the in the like you got to have a big I, I i'm not against that i think specifically denver is so good because of jokic in this capacity that this opens them up to being vulnerable houston can still win that matchup but i do think i would have denver slightly favored so this is the problem is houston i think got better versus the top teams in the conference if we from perception wise in terms of the clippers and the lakers but they got worse versus utah and Denver, like, Utah is at least closer to being able to beat them than they were. Like, that's – it's an easier matchup for them now. I don't have faith in Utah's offense being able to keep up, but I think that it's, it's enough of a concern. Um, Denver, I think, definitely can, and I think uh, the Clippers can as well. So it's like, Houston – i I'm really interested in that. I respect the gambit. I respect going all in on the math. Um, I think it was the – I don't know the right play. It was a smart play because of how they view this season. I, I think and it was. I think more, it was
1: the right play for Daryl Morey if you consider the idea. Yes, you, you might as well. You might as well yes. just go
0: for it. Empty the clip. Yeah, and same I mean, thing with
1: D'Antoni. I mean, D'Antoni, pending coaching free agent, might as well just go. If if you're whether if you're not going out, then you're succeeding. And if you are going out, at least you did it on your own terms. Uh, when
0: I. I, I, I when I checked with people close to the Rockets, when they let go of Ariza and the guys that they replaced him with, and those were all disasters. But the thought process um, was actually really interesting. Um, it was like we wanted more, we wanted higher variance. Like we knew how good we would be with Trevor, but we wanted to see if we could find somebody that we could be better with in certain situations, maybe worse in some. But but like he's gone for higher variance players. And that's what a lot of this, this entire model, like Covington's not a higher variance player, but this model is higher variance. They're either going to win the title or crash and burn. And there's only two ways that this goes. And I have to respect that, and, and that's second-
1: why and that's why they're tier two for me because I see I see more title upside for them than I do for the other ones. I also see the downside, and and that's why putting this in tiers was difficult because I mean the Rockets I think they have a a, a higher chance of losing in the first round than almost every team in my second tier, which our third tier, which is a gigantic group, but. I don't know. I, I, I'm still thinking titles, you know, going in that direction, conference finals, making noise. And so, yeah. So how, do, how did you think about tier two? Uh,
0: my two, my, I'm the opposite. My tier two is uh, six teams. I have six teams in tier two. These are teams that I think uh, can plausibly make the finals. And given the right circumstances, if they won the NBA title, I would not be outright shocked. The Clippers, obviously, uh, the Rockets, the Sixers, the Nuggets, the Celtics, and the Raptors. I am ready to give the Celtics and Raptors their due and say that those two teams, I believe, have the makeup. Jason Tatum is a good enough star that if he goes on a tear— he can take his team to the finals and i do believe that like i said with no warriors this year like they would be underdogs to the Celtics they would be underdogs to or they would be underdogs to the clippers they would be underdogs to the lakers for sure um but i would give them a, a not Bad chance like I would be watching their game lines very closely. I think it would I do not think it would be a sweep or a gentleman sweep. I think the series would go long because of how tenacious both those teams are defensively because of the talent that they have on the wings because of the shooting that they present because of how disciplined they are the coaching advantages. Those two teams are really good. Um, I think Denver is being underrated, which is perfect. They're under the radar. Um, I have to be careful with saying that because I live in Denver and they're the team that I cover the most. And so it's like I run the risk of respect the jazz attitude, um, which you don't want to fall into. But I do think that for a team that's number two in the Western Conference at the All Star break, everyone has just completely written off. When, like, there's I've heard questions about, like, well, are the Nuggets really a, are, like, are the Nuggets going to be any good in the playoffs? Like, we don't know yet. And I'm like, guys. I understand they lost in the second round. They made the second round into a game seven. They also did that after losing a triple overtime game on the road in which like 15 breaks went against them. Then they came back and won game four on the road. Like Denver's proven they can win in big spots in the playoffs just because Evan Turner and Myers Leonard had themselves a game in game seven does not mean that the Nuggets can't win in the playoffs. The Nuggets are a really good, very dangerous team. The Sixers... If Joel Embiid plays like he did last night, they can win everything, but I don't have any faith that they will. All these teams have limitations, but I, and severe ones, like real limitations. Um, but I do think that they all belong in this conversation.
1: I have all of those teams, other than the Clippers and Rockets, aforementioned, I have them in higher tiers. I have them there, but then the the difference between us is... Since I'm a little bit lower on these teams in terms of the championship window, I actually add three more teams to this tier, Ooh. and so mine is is all minus seven teams: the Raptors, Celtics, Sixers. We've already talked about and the Nuggets. We've already talked about, but then I add in the Heat, the Jazz, and the Mavericks. And the reason why is they're all teams that I I think, depending on who they face, they could they could. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they won a series, possibly two, depending on matchup. And that was really where I thought about this tier. But they're all teams that I would be not shocked but surprised if they made the NBA Finals. And so that would really, like, when they started thinking about grouping it, and the hardest decision to add in there was Dallas for me. But with how good their offense is, I don't particularly see anything fluky about it. You know, it's not like they're hitting every three or anything like that. And remember, Lucas missed a bunch of time, but he'll he'll be back for the playoffs. So focus, focusing on April 15th as opposed to February 21st is notable. And then with Dallas... And, or sorry, with with Miami and Utah, I'm not all the way there. But when I started separating it out, I, I one of the key questions I ask myself is, I actually, and I actually do this physically because I have I have a word doc where I put my tears in. I put the teams in both places, and I just go, which one feels better? And with Miami, I yeah, I'm still not totally sold on their defense. I'm still not totally sold on their offense. I am sold on Spolstra. I love the amount of options they have, especially after the deadline. And then with Utah, they're. Their defense will work well against a lot of teams. And then offensively, I just like that they have so many more options now. You know, Not only just Conley, and I mean, he's had quite the season in terms of expectations versus performance, but also the, the underrated part of, of Bogdanovich. I think Bogdanovich, not in every matchup, but in certain matchups, gives them another place to turn, which could be very important.
0: Yeah, um, so to set the table, I have uh, the three teams that you added to this group. Um, I have them a tier below. Um, my third tier is Heat Jazz Mavericks which uh, to be honest I put those more in really good teams not gonna win the title probably not gonna make the conference finals really good teams like just they're fine like not even fine they're good like they're really good they deserve credit Uh, The Mavericks have a chance. So it's funny because like I talked about, like I've said, like the Nuggets are underrated and the Nuggets are this, that and the other. If the Nuggets finished two and the Mavericks finished seventh, I would be terrified if I'm a Nuggets fan. I would be absolutely horrified. I feel like the Mavericks are a team that can absolutely upset somebody in the first round just with sheer volume of hot shooting combined with a few spectacular Luka performances. Like they have just such an outlier performance in them, like, they, their ceiling is so high offensively for what they're capable of doing. Losing Dwight Powell, though, hurt them so bad. Um, they've been bad defensively all year, uh, but now, without having a role man who can really put pressure on the defense, off the dribble, passing to the corners, or finishing at the rim, it just disrupts what they want to do so much. KP is just not that guy. They're still really good offensively. They're still going to put up numbers, but they are not quite as dangerous as they used to be. Um Utah has all this potential, but just, like, I, I can't believe that they're going to flex a muscle I've, I've never – or show a strength I've never seen them show. Like, at some point, they got to show up versus the good teams. At some point, they got to show up and have a really impressive performance versus a good team, and they just haven't. Like, I'm willing to throw out the Denver game, which Denver had seven guys. Like, all right, letdown game, sure. But we haven't seen them win a big one since November. Like, they just haven't won big games, and that's a problem. you got to show that you can hang. Like, the Nuggets lost to the Lakers, but they lost to them in overtime when they were down three three key players. Like, at least they've shown, like, we're in this. We can compete with you. We're close. The Jazz just haven't really shown that. Um, And then the Heat, I I wrote a thing before the trades, and the trades don't really change it for me, which was, like, I looked at – Team. I, I looked at the Heat specifically and said, "Like, look, they're probably going to be a really good playoff team. And I think they will be. I think they'll be a really tough out in the second round. Um, but part of the thing with the Heat is so much of their record is built on they were shooting so much higher above expected effective field goal percentage to a degree where it can't just be shooter quality. And yeah. opponents were shooting so much lower than expected. They were the one team I looked at when I looked at those numbers on pbpstats.com and were like, yeah, no. Like, this is... They're due for some regression, and we're seeing it. Like, they lost yeah. the Hawks last night. If you look back, like, they're on a little bit of a stretch where – now, like, Butler's been hurt, and I think that, that, that factors into the equation. Again, I think they'll be a tough playoff team. But I don't think that Miami's strongest gear, their highest gear, their best performance, I don't think that gets them to the conference finals.
1: Something that I've become – fixated on, and uh, I think Dubin was the guy, was the person who turned me on this idea, is that we're we're kind of seeing already the outlines that the Heat and Sixers are going to be the four and five seeds in the East, and that's crazy for a bunch of different reasons. One of them being both of those teams are fascinating matchups for the Bucs, but also the idea that those two teams, because the Raptors and Celtics have better records than them and are better regular season teams than them, you know, Joel Embiid has to rest and the Heat aren't, I, I would say the Heat aren't quite as good. And that to me is is a we're not at the point yet where that's you know I'd still have basically two months of the regular season where I'm going to lower a team's like quote unquote title odds or their conference finals odds because of it. But I did want to mention it because it's been in the back of my mind for about a week now, and it's it's kind of consuming me a little bit that we like it just looks so heavily. So right now, for point of reference, the Heat are three and a half back of the Celtics. For basically that's the three versus the four. But then they're each like three games up about on the Pacers. Also I think they're both better than the Pacers. For that for the basically the five versus the six. And that series is bananas.
0: Which one are you are you talking about specifically? Heat Sixers. Yeah, Heat Sixers is nuts. Like Bam out of bio. Like that's the I've been thinking about that as like Bam might be the guy that could like Actually, embarrassed Joel. Well, also, also
1: like Jared brought this up. The Heat will probably play a zone more than half of that series.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, That's a great point. Uh, They have shooting, and they have Butler, who's going to obviously try and just like alpha dog uh, the entire way through that series. Um, They're going to play zone. They're going to hyper protect. They do have a rim protector. They have great coaching. Like, that's a fascinating well, at, at series.
1: And the basic point being, uh, Joel Embiid has the potential to, like, that. that is one of those, like, he could be the best player in the series type of things. Yeah, but yeah. But I'm worried about the interior passing, the entry passing. It, you know, if Miami's playing his own, and, you know, Ben Simmons is a wonderful passer, but in their half-court offense, can Philly get—let's say Embiid gets position. How reliably can they get him the ball?
0: Right. Um, well, but, but, see, my concern goes further than that, which is, like— and B eventually learned in the playoffs last year to handle the double team and I thought he turned a corner and then he regressed all the way this season. Yep. He's back to being he's awful versus double teams. And like um Miami has the defenders to, to mess with you. Like they have got like when it's Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala and uh, Anjay Crowder and like even some of the young dudes when they're swiping at you like, they're going to get to that ball, and if he's not, if he's not great at that, they're going to turn the ball over constantly on him and frustrate him, and then he's going to mope, and it gets to be – like, he gets down on his own mistakes, and, like, I, I, I don't know – this is a weird, like – this is a very non-tactical basketball thing to, to say, but like it's real. I don't know if the Sixers have the toughness to beat Miami. Like, I just don't know. Miami, if it's a... Miami
1: is an exhausting team to play against, mentally yeah. and physically. And I think that could be, and, and they're, them adding so many forward-sized guys could be a big problem against Philly, because then Philly doesn't have as much of an advantage there as they would against other teams.
0: Now, I will note, uh, for the remainder of the season, the Sixers have the 29th ranked strength of schedule. Uh, Miami is twenty-six, but the bigger difference is that the Raptors are 11th and the Celtics are 12th. So, you're talking about a big differential in, in the strength of schedule for those remaining teams. Sure. Um, you know, Philly's got uh, Miami's schedule is actually really soft, it's 26. 26- uh they're twenty-sixth in strength like, of schedule that's gonna be changed after last night. I have to adjust that. Um and they do have uh only twelve road games remaining, I guess eleven after last night. So uh they have very they have a very advanced, advantageous schedule. In terms of it may wind up being like Miami in the three and the Sixers in the four with Toronto or Boston at the five. Like that's very possible still.
1: Yeah, it's it's still possible. And and focusing on Team quality versus schedule strength is a good one. I mean, I, I focus more in the abstract. I mean, with you know, 20, 25 games left, I focus more on who's good. But you're right that this is, we're getting into the time of season where who you play matters a whole lot more than it does earlier in the season because now that we're seeing some teams just, whether it's deliberate or not, the wheels are coming off the wagon, and we're going to get into those teams pretty quickly. So, yeah, that is a really good point to, to make. Still a bunch more teams to get to in this tiers pod, but first message from BetOnline. The drive to March has begun for college basketball's elite teams and now that we're back from the All-Star break, NBA contenders are starting to separate themselves from the pretenders and for fight fans, it doesn't get any better than the heavyweight championship rematch this Saturday, Tyson Fury versus Dante Wilder and whatever you're into, check it out at BetOnline and if you do, use the PODCAST1 promo code for a 50% sign up bonus. Strong NBA slate, I always love right after the All-Star break, players have a little bit more energy, they hopefully got some time off. Sixers-Bucks is this weekend. Celtics-Lakers, big game. And then in college, Florida-Kentucky, VaTech against Duke. And then the aforementioned heavyweight championship rematch, Wilder versus Fury. That is on Saturday. And whatever you're into, you can check it out at BetOnline. And if it's something that you are already going to watch, you can make it more interesting. And if you think you know something that's that's going to happen, makes it even better. And whatever you're into, you can check it out at Online. So go to BetOnline.ag. And don't forget to use the Podcast One promo code for your 50% sign-up bonus at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I'll
0: go ahead and go to my next tier. Yeah, well, one thing
1: I'll mention, I'm really happy we're squared up now. So we, we we've gone through all the same teams.
0: That's true. Um, I think my, that's,
1: is that 11? Yeah, I think that's 11 teams.
0: Yeah. Uh, in my fourth tier, which will be fifth for you, um, I have only two teams, and it's Thunder and Pacers. Same. Um, like, great respect to them, really good squads, tip of the cap. What a great job, great coaching. Uh, their guards have been tremendous. All Like, every guard involved on these teams has been great. Uh, good big men play, good stories. Their feel-good tales of teams outperforming expectations uh, don't have a high enough gear to make a real run. Uh, the Thunder could probably give the Clippers or Nuggets some issues in a first-round series. The Rockets, I think they could definitely give some problems in a first-round series. If Houston went on a tear and got to a two or, or a three seed, um, can't really go further than that. The Pacers I think are interesting just because like, like, they do have a little bit of time to maybe figure out how to play better with Oladipo. There's not a lot of time. But if they could just figure out how to take what they were doing before the break and add Oladipo, they're still going to be a really, really good team. Part of my problem is just, like, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Heat are all going to shoot a a ton of threes. Like, they're just going to shoot a ton of threes, and the Pacers are not, and the Pacers are going to wind up getting hit with two versus three too often. And the math problem is going to be real. Like, Indy's really good. Indy's really fun. Love watching that team. Like, the Thunder and Pacers will definitely be in the NBA Twitter NBA TV playoff series, like the one that nobody else is paying attention to, but all of the hardcores are like the series is awesome. It's so much fun. Like they're going to be those teams, but we have to be realistic about where they stand in the league.
1: No real arguments there. The way that I put it was legitimately good teams, great stories, and I can't, barring health, obviously, I I wouldn't expect to see to pick either of them to win a first round series. No shame in that. There are teams in that camp every single year, and I think, especially given the specific circumstances with these two teams, Depot functionally missing the whole year to this point, and the Thunder being the Thunder, that should be a success. Like they should not be disappointed if this, if my prediction ends up being correct. But it is still the way that these things go. And you're right that Depot and integrating him is the biggest unresolved piece and the biggest upside that either of these teams has remaining, but. To me, it just, it just seems like we're, time is getting thin when you think about how good their opposition is going to be. So like the Pacers, you brought up how the teams directly above them have really soft schedules. So that means the Pacers are probably going to be the sixth seed. I think that's that, – that might, you might say even say that's the most likely single seed other than the Bucks being the one in the East in the entire NBA is that they'll be, they'll be the sixth in the East. And that means you're facing a good team in the first round. You're facing a really good team. And that other really good team is going to have home court. So, unless Oladipo is that guy again, and they figured out everything else, it's hard for me to imagine picking them
0: yeah, I agree with you on the on they're going to be the six um i do think here here's here's like a weird way of thinking it though um. I think I'm a little bit higher on their chances of getting out of the first round for different reasons. I don't – and it's weird because, like, I have all those East teams that are going to be in contention for the three outside of the Heat. Like, I have them all in that tier of being, like, they can make the finals. Like, the, the Celtics and Raptors are like, they can make the finals. The Heat are like, they they can make the second round. Um, and I have, like, the the West teams as, like, they can win the, the championship. And yet I feel like the Thunder – Can win a first round series because the West teams are more susceptible to absolute disaster. Like if Houston just. The disaster
1: potential, yeah.
0: Yeah, like if Houston flamed out, no one's going to be shocked. Everyone's just going to be like, "Oh no, Houston Houston did. Oh no." Like they'll be like, "Well, they gambled and they failed." Yeah, like that um, that's
1: what makes the, to be the Lakers and Clippers different. Is that I think I would be stunned if they lost stunned. in the first. Round.
0: Yeah, if they lost in the far, in the first round. I I again, I'm just not as high on the Clippers. Like I don't think that they'll lose in the first round. Uh barring injury, but but I do think like the Thunder can push the Clippers. But I also think like I think the Nuggets could definitely lose in the first round. Like, that's just that's just the reality of having watched them all year, how I feel. And I definitely feel that way about the Jazz. So I think there's all these chances for the Thunder to get out of the first round. Um, and Indiana, um, I don't know. I do feel a little bit like the Celtics and Raptors um, and the Heat to a degree, that all those teams we look at and we the record is like, well, they have to be so good because of their record when I don't know that they've actually been that good. And I wonder how much of it is like the East schedule. Um, but then on top of that is like, well, look, the the Celtics point differential is great. Like, it's not the box, but nobody's is the box. Like, it's awesome. It's plus them. They have the second best point differential in the league. They're higher than the Lakers. Yep. So like the Celtics are maybe the team that, that really is that high. Um, uh, just I wanted to mention this. <laughs> Let's say the Raptors get the three. Okay. I I work for the Action Network. We deal we're a gambling forward company. I do lots of sports analysis like just general basketball analysis, but a lot of my stuff is also gambling centric. Uh how much do you think I'm going to put on on the the Pacers to win game 1 versus oh the Raptors Lord. when they lose every single game 1 in their <laughs> playoffs? Like, if it's Pacers-Raptors, the Pacers are absolutely winning game one on, like, a Malcolm Brogdon buzzer beater. That's absolutely—maybe they, they'll lose in five again, like the magic, but that's absolutely going to happen.
1: Yeah, that's, that, that's entirely possible. I hadn't thought about that. and I, I'm not surprised that you have and i'm not like that that that's amazing but so okay so now we're squared up again we're through 13 teams and the single funniest part about this is we're at 13 teams that means somebody other than these 13 is going to make the playoffs Pro- probably exactly one but we'll see um we'll we'll see how that's going to work out oh wait no are we at 12
0: let to say one two three four five six. 13
1: 13 okay and no, that's three teams. That's right. I can do math. It's not the NFL. <laughs> there are eight teams to make the playoffs in each, in each conference. Um, so I split that. Basically, the, the, this to me was one of the big lines of separation. I'm like, okay, there isn't oh, anybody yeah. else. There isn't anybody yeah. else that I see as being in that group. And so then I, I kind of split the remaining teams into three tiers. And I I did, uh, and, and I focused more on their kind of their viability the rest like how good they are now versus like projected record because that's you know that's not as interesting to me i guess it's probably the most honest way of putting it and what i ended up with is funny because it's not going to be the way it works out for the playoffs is my best of the rest tier is and not super in order but sort of in order the grizzlies the blazers the pelicans and the magic and huh. the, ma- the magic might be overrated i think i could just kind of couldn't have both East playoff teams not in that tier
0: but yeah so I went crazy. I went. This is where I went a little off the rails. Um, I decided that if we're gonna, if none of these these teams really matter, because like that's the real differential. So The teams above matter. The teams below, are like they don't really matter. Like good seasons, some of them. Bad seasons, some of them. Promising futures, etc. Um, every team is special. Every team's a snowflake. But you know. They don't really matter. I think like, if we're going to do this. Like, I'm going to break it into who's got, like, a better vibe. Like, whose future looks brighter? Mm-hmm. who's are you more excited to see in the playoff setting? Um, whose season has been more enjoyable is a good way of thinking about it. I have one team that's going to make you absolutely just perplexed. Um, the four I have after are the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Wizards, and the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets over, baby! <laughs> uh... Because, like, Devontae Graham has been a lot of fun. P.J. Washington has been a lot of fun. Um, They've been a genuinely fun team to watch. Like, I watched them last night versus the Bulls and was, like, very entertained. Like, they're just – they are a fun team to watch. I think that when they – I'm hoping they draft Wiseman, and that's going to fill out very nicely with giving Devontae Graham uh, somebody to pass to down low. Tara Rozier gets buckets and does nothing else of, of use. Uh, for more money than he should be paid but like Devontae Graham is legitimately awesome to watch so is PJ Washington so is bridges like that combo is great and I'm very excited to watch them going forward the pelicans obviously are just like super fun and if they make the playoffs it's gonna be really entertaining watching Zion try and kill Anthony Davis well can, for, can I, can for I can four I, games
1: can I formalize the proposal that if the pelicans are the nine seed in the West and then and then and that's make the playoffs as expected that we just put New Orleans in instead yes 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 absolutely And 100%. what's so funny is this this is almost exactly what I was seeing. I think it was like two months ago. I tweeted out that, like, basically that the, this is going to be a year that people regret that the bottom of the West can't play in the playoffs in the East instead. And yeah, it, you know, couldn't have seen all of this coming with Kyrie's shoulder and everything else. But at the same point, part of why I why I wrote it so early was the West had options and the East didn't. So when you know when the magic Isaac got hurt and all the other stuff that happened, the Nets had what happened to the Nets. There wasn't anybody really who could step up as a playoff team. You know the Wizards have been an interesting story. The Hornets have been an interesting story too. Whereas in the in the West, there was you know Memphis had potential, the Suns had potential, the Wolves had potential, the Kings had potential. I mean De'Aaron Fox has been wonderful over the last since he got back from injury, and so. It was always that idea that they had options, that there were places that the West could go that the East just didn't have.
0: Yeah, oh, I totally a, agree.
1: A, a quick thing on the Hordits. I, I, it's just such a weird twist of fate that they are one of the teams – Outperforming their point differential by the most in the league when you consider that the, like one of the hallmarks of the last couple of years with Kemba was that they never did and so yeah it's like, they never ever did they never ever did and then this year I think they're number three yeah they're they're tied for second with the Lakers in terms of outperforming their differential for using clean the glasses filter Charlotte has the point differential of a sixteen win team but they're they're on pace to win twenty three
0: just they just find ways baby they just oh, no, find sorry, ways sorry, I got
1: it wrong they they have the point differential of a twenty three win team. And then
0: they're, uh-huh. they're winning
1: more than that. They already have 19 wins this year.
0: I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I also – the Wizards are in this group. I want the Wizards to go on a run. Like just – like a five-game winning streak gets you back into this thing, Wizards. Just like a five-game winning streak. Well, it, and it, because so there's so
1: much, there's there's so much better to watch than like yes. see, seeing the, the death march
0: that would be like Brooklyn still making it without Kyrie. Yes. Like nobody's nobody, – it's really – I was talking about this last night. It's crazy to me that like last year Brooklyn was one of the most fun teams to watch. Like, they were just so fun. Like, I loved watching the Nets. They have most of the same guys. Like, it's not like Kyrie's the problem, because, like, it's, you know, it's Denwitty and Laverde and Jared Allen, but the whole thing just feels entirely differently. Like, I'm never excited to watch the Nets now. Um, I I also, m- look, maybe it's Scott Brooks' offensive coordinator, which I don't know who's, who's designed the offense um, in Washington, but, like, what they've done offensively, if you watch the Wizards, they do so much interesting stuff. They do. Like, they just run cool stuff on every play, and they're just like, well, uh, our power forward's going to run a pick and roll into a dribble handoff for our center, who's then going to give it back to our wing, who's going to ISO and then kick out to our shooting guard. Like, it's crazy. It's so, just crazy.
1: Yeah. Nate has an interesting theory on this, and he's like, that's what happens when you don't have any good defensive players, oh. that you just basically say, hey, let's just do whatever the hell we want. Yeah, because because they're they're never going to stop anybody. They have all these all these good players, and yeah, the Wizards. I I would love to see them make it too. I think it'd be fun. It also be good for Bradley Beal's sanity, which I do value and appreciate. Though I I have two kind of things in the back of my mind. One is I I don't think they're going to trade Bradley Beal this summer either way. But I do think it makes it significantly more likely that we see the Wizards run it back. And then that ties in with Davis Bertans, and I, I love Bertans. I've been so happy with how freed up he's been in Washington. But if they just break the bank to sign him, I'm going to be I'm I'm going to be more sad for Bertans not being on a great team than I am going to be for the Wizards overpaying somebody again because they do that all the time.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be disappointing. You want to see them just go flexible? I don't know. I don't know the key Beal. I don't. I don't know. The, I think. Look, I think. How can I put this? All right. Yeah, I'll go ahead and sell. I'll say it. <laughs> I'll go ahead and fire. Uh, I think there's a scam being run by a lot of the players, uh, in terms of, I want to be here. I believe in this organization. I'm committed. I want to sign this, this extension for the most money possible for the most years. Oh, I got it. Okay. I want out. This organization sucks and I want to go somewhere I can win. Like we're seeing this pretty consistently with guys that are like, after they get the money, all of a sudden they're like, yeah, no, now I want out which only makes it harder to trade them. (laughs) Um, And it makes it like, it means that those teams almost always have to take back like huge contracts, which they don't want to take. It's a real pain, but I definitely think that that we're heading in that direction. Um, But yeah, so I I don't know. I like the wizards in the playoffs, especially because like I mentioned, the bucks are susceptible to shooting. I I don't like, it might only be one game, but I could see one game where the wizards are just bombing from three and bucks fans are losing their minds and, That'd be a little entertaining. Um, The Grizzlies are in this group, too. Nothing to complain about there. They're fun. Like, love watching them. Even last night, they played, like, garbage, and Harrison Barnes hit six threes, and they still managed to make it a game at the end. Um, John Morant's incredible. Jaron Jackson Jr. still has a long way to go, but Brandon Clark is probably my second favorite player on the team. He's just awesome. I love this team. They're super fun. Their future's bright. Nothing to complain about with those teams. So, like, those are, like, the four that I have after, and then the next tier is, like, sure, you, like... I have to put you here, so I will put you here. Like I am forced to place you here because your record demands. I've, I've usually I ca- not put you I've lower. usually
1: called this tier the non-dregs because it's yeah. like you can't you can't put them at the bottom. But do you feel that much differently? And yeah, yeah,
0: um, it's Nets Magic Blazers. It's I don't I don't have any interest in watching these teams in the playoffs. I don't have any interest in them watching these teams night to night. Um, I'm very much looking forward to them changing things up. I actually really liked the Magic last year. They were fun. Something's different about this year, even though with the same team, it's just stale. Um, The Nets we talked about, like, same team. It just doesn't feel the same. And the Blazers just, like, I think the thing with the Blazers is I didn't believe in that team last year, and I think they overachieved, and I think they got worse in the offseason. And the injuries are covering so much for their roster deficiencies, so no one's able to be, like, they built a bad team. They took a good team and they built a bad one because everybody's like, well, but the injuries and I'm like, Zach Collins cannot mean this much to you. Like Zach Collins and Rodney hood cannot be the difference between you being above 500 and like eight games under this is, this is not the way that this should work. Um, Dame's awesome. CJ's awesome. Dame can't get past the blitz in the playoffs. I'm not a big believer in Nurkic. Uh, so when he comes back, I'm not going to be all that swayed by them. I am waiting for these team seasons to end.
1: I had the Blazers in the, in the higher tier almost solely because of Lillard. I mean, he's, he's, his January was absolutely incredible. And I, I still love watching him though. I agree with a lot of what you said about the, the Blazers. And I actively disliked the job that Neil O'Shea did, what he valued, what he didn't value. And that coming home to roost, and there's this idea, I'm working on a piece about this from the Warriors' perspective, Um, but there's a worthwhile one to do from the Blazers' perspective too, and maybe I'll have the time to do that, which is I think that both teams' front offices in a weird way benefited in terms of perception from the injuries that happened. So we're not talking about how poorly designed this Warriors team was because we never really got to see it. And it was the same kind of thing with the Blazers where – because not not really cuz of Nurkic cuz we kind of knew where that was going but with call with not having any forwards with not really ha- having a ton in the way of like a a cogent defensive identity and worth noting that since since January 1st Portland is 29th in defense like i could yeah. see i could see it being bad but like 29th in defense and then they're 10th in offense thank you Damian Lillard but i mean so so with both those teams they they just we're, the the way that I described this to somebody recently was: you can't tell if somebody over seasoned their over the meat if it got burned to a crisp in the oven. And so we uh. just we lost. We, we don't get the ability to to analyze and criticize to an extent that because we have to do it in the abstract. And I you know th- I've, that's been my stance on the Warriors. I don't think the Warriors. I think they were a fringe at best playoff team if Curry had stayed healthy the entire season. And I mean we nobody expected you know, we expected him to be like eighty-two games, maybe seventy, and then that I that's why I thought they might not make it. But or and then obviously what happened happened. But it's that same sort of an idea and that the process the process was bad, but the result was so bad. And yeah, I I, I that's that's kind of the way I feel on both them. Um, I'll go through my, I call it the meh tier. Nets, Spurs, Wizards, Kings, Suns, and Bulls. The Wizards and Kings maybe aren't meh teams, but the overall result is there, so I put them there. And really, that's the non-dregs. Uh, who all did you, I, I think you have more teams in the very bottom than I do,
0: right? Well, I have four tiers. Um, I have four tiers. You have, have four, four tiers of, of dregs?
1: That's uh, yes, awesome! I have, four,
0: <laughs> I have four tiers of dregs. So, um, the, uh there's i had the pelicans grizzlies wizards hornets i had nets magic uh blazers the next group is the hawks the bulls and the suns and that is uh broken up by uh those teams are basically like why couldn't you be better yeah like i i've I've been mad at all three of those teams this year like like the rest of the teams i'm kind of like i get it i like i get it it's i understand you know like You don't have it. you like, it's okay. You're not going to, you don't have it. Maybe you'll have it sometime. You do not have it. The Bulls, the Hawks, and the Suns, I genuinely believe like you have it. You just don't. You don't get it. You have it and you don't get it. And that's a really frustrating thing to watch. The Bulls are infuriating. Like they are the most upsetting team in the league because they have all of this offensive talent and are horrible on offense and they have all these bad defenders and are pretty good on defense. And you're just like, what? And look, Bo- and here's the thing. Boylan deserves just as much credit for the defense being good, even though Zach Levine's encore is horrific, as he does the blame for this offense with all of this talent being garbage. He has sucked the life out of a very talented offensive team. Now, like, I do think Otto Porter's injury is a huge thing here. Like, every time Porter played, the Bulls are pretty good. And this has been like a consistent thing across Porter's career. He's a high impact player. He's not a high stats guy. He's a guy that when he's on the court, you're just like, they played really well at Porter on the floor. Uh, He would have made a big difference. Morkin's injury definitely hurts. Wendell Carter Jr.'s injury definitely hurts. Like Chris Dunn's injury legitimately hurts now. Dunn was playing significant minutes. And even though Dunn is a horrible offensive player, he's an elite defensive player that nobody notices because he can't shoot. Like, his deflection rate is absurd. He's like Matisse Teibel, only not as, like, you know, Tasmanian devil. Um, So, like, the Bulls are, are good defensively, and they shouldn't be. And they're terrible offensively, and they shouldn't be. The Suns, I just genuinely look at it as, like, they had the momentum. Ayton got suspended. Baines got hurt, and that's what happened. But I still look at the Suns and be like, you should have figured out something. Like, the rest of you had enough talent. You still had Rubio. You still had Booker. You still had Bridges. You still had these guys. You should have figured out enough. Like Saric's injury I think genuinely really hurts them. Like they lost Key guys. Like They needed Saric and Baines, and I get it. Yeah, they, they like, just
1: didn't have enough. Like that, yeah. they didn't have enough at the right times. And I think for me the, the thing that happened with the Suns, especially with Devin Booker's rise this year – is in this year's Western Conference, in order just to make it in, it wasn't as hard of a, a push. You know, like, I, I, there are pathways for me that they could have gotten to 40 wins. And I, I, I picked their under. It was not something that I expected. But when you saw the way this broke, it could it could have gone differently. So, yeah, I, I, I'm firmly in support of, of those three being there. How's, what's your Tier 2 of the dregs? Uh, and
0: then uh, Tier 2 is Pistons, um, Kings... Wolves, Warriors, uh, which only leaves uh, Knicks and Cavs at the bottom, because um, those and those two teams deserve each other. Like they deserve one another's company. I, I, feel, um,
1: I, I put I put the Pistons down there too, just because they're like now that they've kind of cleared the decks, that team's going to be spectacularly bad, but pretty fun to watch this year or the rest of this year.
0: Yeah, I think the only reason is just like I want to give the Pistons a little bit of a break because uh, Reggie Jackson went out immediately. And then Blake went out and like at that point, like the wheels came off and much like the OK, the Pistons are obviously not the Warriors. But if you made like the Pistons are like the D grade Warriors in terms of, well, yeah, if you don't have Steph Curry and you don't have Clay Thompson, you're not going to be very good. Uh, and similar with the Pistons, it's if you don't have Reggie Jackson and you don't have Blake Griffin, you're not going to be very good. And so it's just like. I can't like their roster construction, their drafting. Not, like I actually like some of the Pistons pieces too. Like I re- I really like Tobias. Like I th- I think he's really good. Um, I like I like a lot of their young pieces. I've actually enjoyed kind of watching like last night, not so much. But I have actually, I've actually there's there are games when I'm like I gotta watch the Pistons. I think a lot of it is just I find George Blaha to be like the best thing on NBA League Pass. I don't think I'll ever get tired of, of listening to George Blaha call call games. Um, but like I also think. Like, versus, like, the Cavs, which are just, like, a wreck. Um, The Kings, I don't really know where to put. I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't really know where to put the Kings. Like, should I put them in the Chicago Hawks-Suns category? Because I feel like, you know, I don't know that they should be better. But maybe? Like, they're not terrible. They're very confusing to me.
1: Fox being better since he helps. got back is, is, I think, important. And for me, why they they probably be the second tier of the three Dregs ones is just I, I agree with you. I don't think it's that they should have been better. It's just that they weren't. They weren't all the way there. Some some team construction issues. Surprise, surprise. And and also like I mean the you know the changeover in coaches didn't work out particularly well for them. I mean, but some of that I think was also just. Sacramento last year, they got incredibly fortunate on two fronts that I think were underappreciated at the time because we were so thrilled with how great a story they were. And what those – so one was their defense got really lucky. Like their defense outperformed their talent level by a lot. And sometimes that's great coaching and sometimes that's just luck. And then the other thing is they were extraordinarily healthy last year. Not yeah. universally healthy, but that's something that I've I've gained a greater appreciation for Portland is, has run into this too. And it's not just your stars, but it's make su- making sure that you have a like a an appropriate level of talent. And I think for especially non-playoff teams, relative health is a really important consideration. It's something I want to try to remember to use when I'm projecting things out for next year. And so if, I, if a team was about at the same, you know, it's kind of like Seth Partnow's idea where if two, teams are, if two teams were pretty close and one of them is making a ton of threes and the other one didn't, you expect that to normalize the other way. And so if two teams are similar levels and one of them has been really healthy, then probably expect that to, to tone down a little bit unless it's like a proven thing that their guys never get hurt.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's something to, to definitely keep in mind. And like the Blazers had the season the the injury season from hell, the Wizards had an injury season from hell, the Warriors had an injury season from hell. Like yeah. they like some sometimes that's just like what happens. Sure. Um and and then at the bottom you have the Cavs and the Knicks, which are just like well, so oh I
1: wanted to talk with you about what I, I mean. It's a trade that I've brought up on many podcasts now just because I find the duality of it so interesting. And that's the Cavs and Pistons doing the Drummond trade because basically they each made opposite bets just as forcefully. One on Andre Drummond being better than cap space, whether he opts in or opts out. And the, and the Pistons being like, hell no, just get him off.
0: Yeah, um, I think a lot of it has got to be. Well, I guess I'll be interested to see what the Pistons do this summer um, because I wonder how much of this is just the Pistons are taking on water because the team tanked and nobody's like they have zero local interest and they're bad. And um, I wonder if the owner is starting to feel like I need to, I need to. I want to keep costs down for a while. Like I'll be interested to see what they do, how close they get to the floor going into the next season. That'll be interesting to see. Um, like, what are they going to do? Like, what do you do with, with the money on the books now? Like I get it. You still have Blake. They could probably, you know, they can't deal Blake because of the injuries. Um, They'll be, I'll be very interested to see what approach they take in the summer. Um, the Cavs. I was like, I guess like you didn't really give up anything. So fine. I guess that's fine for you to try. I don't know what you expected. It was also the, – the all the stuff that came out after the Beeline fire uh, – sorry, resignation um, made it very clear that, like – I go back and I just wonder, like – let me get this straight. Um, you were having locker room problems with your coach, and you thought it would be a good idea to trade for Andre Drummond. Like that was like – you had this gigantic fire raging. Who, who also shares an agent with Kevin Love. Yeah, like you have this giant fire raging, and you were like, oh, I know. Let's store the gasoline in the room with the fire. Like, why would you do that? Like, why, why would you possibly do that? Now, like, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know that Drummond is necessarily bad, but I would just like the, the big thing, the, the big thing for me is the Cavs from an ownership level t- down have to recognize their situation and have to start making moves commiserate with that situation. You need to realize that the we're going to still be competitive. No, it's over. Give it up. Like you tried, you failed. Start over. You have to really, and you have to be really honest about who Colin Sexton is. Like this is a lot of it. Is like you got to be real about who Colin Sexton is. I think Colin Sexton can be a fine guard in this league. He's not your franchise guy. He is not going to be talked about the way the guys talk, the way the Memphis talks about John Morant or Atlanta talks about Trey Young uh, or Dallas talks about Luca. He's not, and that's fine. He was eighth, but you got to realize like you don't have the guy, and until you have the guy, you you need like you don't have to go full process but you need to be in pursuit of getting the guy, and you don't have him right now.
1: Along those lines, uh, there's the reporting from, from Jason Lloyd that possibly the Blazers gave them an out for Kevin Love. We don't know the exact terms. It was, the piece didn't have the whole thing, but if they could have basically offloaded Kevin Love, unless it and, and probably honestly, even if it did include somebody like Kevin Porter, who I really like, you do it, even though Cleveland doesn't value cap space that much, just because... You can do so many other things, and so I I think of Kevin Love as the exact type of player that somebody's going to get off of in a trade that I love for them because he has these lingering positives that that because of his connection to a championship team, because he was an all-NBA player in the past, that – that people don't realize, oh my god, he's getting paid $30 million a year for three more years after this year. So if that deal was on the table, I think Kobe Altman made a pretty significant mistake. But we don't know the exact term, so it's hard to, it's hard to say.
0: My whole thing is um, the way to do this is you don't say we're going to trade Kevin Love for prospects and picks. Um, and you don't say we're going to trade Kevin Love for cap space. Instead, you say we will trade Kevin Love and we will take your worst contract. Like that's a, that's a what, fair way
1: of doing it. Yeah. Like
0: whatever your garbage that you cannot move is, we will trade for it. But you have to attach either prospects or picks. Like we'll take whatever you want. Whatever you have just been like, we can't move this contract. It's a nightmare. But you have, you have got to pay us for giving you a good player in return for a bad. They're both on big contracts, but my guy is good. So we'll take – I will offload your garbage and I'll do the money laundering for you, but you're going to have to compensate me with something valuable. And, like, that's the way that you get it done. Because, like, if, if uh, there have been reports now that, that teams were like, well, well, if you give us a pick, we'll take Kevin Love. And that's absurd. Like, that's just absurd. Yeah,
1: because they're, um, they're, they're, that's the same reason I didn't think that in Andrew Wiggins' trade, like a salary dump was going to happen because there wasn't the incentive from the from that team's perspective to give up something to offload them. But as you're saying, if there's a way to do it where you take on bad money, I, and I think especially considering Cleveland is not exactly a free agent destination, I think that's a very good point.
0: Yeah, that's the way to go about it.
1: And a, a bigger picture thing for these, for these drag teams, in almost all cases, there are a couple of exceptions. I mean, the Warriors are their their own thing and maybe sacramento all of them i think should be pretty aggressively just going after best best prospect best player possible because there's so much that's uncertain and i I, you know i full praise to cleveland that it seems like that's what they did with the garland pick we'll see if that works out but they need to keep going in that direction where if it's until you find somebody that you think is definitely an answer take the best player it doesn't matter what they do because you need everything
0: right absolutely
1: Anything else you feel like we need to discuss?
0: I think we got it. This is a, another great pod. I'm looking forward to, to doing this again um, as we get close to the playoffs.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks again to Matt Moore for taking the time to come on. You can read him at the Action Network. You can hear him all over the podcast style, including he does some really fun ones with Adam Mattis at at On Nuggets. And you can follow him, if you, somehow you don't already, at HP Basketball. Love having Matt on. This was a particularly great time with everything that was going on. We'd kind of lined this up a few weeks ago as being a, a nice window to, to go through it and great conversation. It'll be interesting to see how the next couple of weeks change our thoughts on various different parts of this conversation. Um, But I mean, the all-star game being basically at the two third mark, instead of at the halfway mark does really change things. There isn't as much time to turn the boat around, let's say. So we'll keep an eye on all that. Of course, if you want to support the show, there are a lot of different ways you can do so. You can leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player of your choosing. It's great if it's Apple podcasts, but I understand if it's not, whatever you use is much appreciated. Word of mouth, very important a particular episode or just, hey tell somebody social media whatever you you like this really do appreciate that helps people find the show just like the ratings and reviews and also subscribing downloading every episode super important because that helps in terms of rankings and ratings and all that type of stuff and also helps in terms of getting people to advertise on the show and of course that is the most important thing for this show and any other that has them is to check out our sponsors manscape.com dream promo code d-r-e-a-m for 20% off and free shipping also of course tell them that you came from us and bet online betonline.ag, podcast one promo code for a 50% sign up bonus. love having both of them on board. If you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, Danny LaRue, NBA at gmail.com is the way to do it. I get it all the time. Really do appreciate it. If you take the time to write it, I will guarantee that I will read it, and I will respond if I can. That is always the dice of your proposition, because I have a lot of irons in the fire at any one time, but if, I, I respect your time, so if you take the time to write it, you're writing it so that I will read it, and I will. In terms of my other work, a lot going on. Um, pieces at The Athletic had one come out on my new, I call them in my brain, the space race pieces, so went through the league-wide cap space estimate, how it's dropped why it's dropped what that means and have a bunch of other pieces in the works for the athletic also have dunked on is getting going to be back at full speed starting sunday night monday morning depending on when you listen and we're also going to be doing something cool um keep an eye on my twitter feed i don't know that it's ready for public consumption yet but there will be something on monday that will be brand new for me and really really excited about the possibility so keep an eye on my twitter feed and we'll see where it goes <laughs> But thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day.